morning for the reading of the Word of God. And as we read the portion this morning out of John 17, if you have your outline there, you'll have to look in the Word of God for the Scriptures. But in John 17, let's read these verses, and I want you to follow along this morning. The Bible says in John 17, verse number 1, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have uh, my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth." As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be, as, be one as thou, Father, Art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, 
I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the word of God, for the power that I sense from this passage, from this prayer of your son as his heart was so heavy. God, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Help us to respond in whatever way you're dealing with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I wonder this morning, how's your focus? How do things look to you? We were out in California and we were sitting in the auditorium and the auditorium is quite large and while we were sitting there, they were they had some slides on the screens, and their screens are much bigger than ours. I was sitting towards the back of the auditorium, and I was reading, and I said something to my wife about what's on the screen, and I thought it said 52 on the screen. My wife said, 52? I said, yeah, it says 52. She said, that says $2. The dollar sign I mistook for a five. Looked like a five, could have swore it was a five, but my focus just isn't what it used to be. People say, boy, you're lucky, you don't have to wear glasses. No, I do. They're on my eyeballs. Matter of fact, they're not only contacts, they're multifocal contacts. It usually takes a long time for my contacts to come in because my prescription is so high. My, my eye prescription is higher than my IQ, you know? It's amazing how bad, how the focus of my eyes have gotten over the years. If you have good eyesight, you ought to be thankful for it. If you're saved this morning, if you know Christ as your Savior, I wonder how your spiritual eyesight is. Do you see things differently than you did before you got saved? How about the passage before you this morning? Were you seeing some things that maybe you never saw before? Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit of God that opens our eyes spiritually, that illumines us to see things that we've never saw before? And your prayer ought to be like mine was before I studied, before God led me to this passage. Your prayer this morning should be this, God, show me something today that I need to see. How many of you would pray that this morning? God, I want to see something today that would be a help to me. In other words, Lord, I know you're the great physician. And today I need you to adjust my eyes, my spiritual eyes. Help me to see. Help me to see Jesus as he prayed this prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. As Jesus poured his heart out to his heavenly father. 
on the last night of his earthly existence, Jesus is found in this garden. And you know what he's doing? He's serving as our great high priest. Jesus is praying, making intercession to his Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 and verse 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. You see, the Bible tells us there is one mediator between God and men, and that's the man, Christ Jesus. I don't pray to Mary. No disrespect, Mary was a vessel God used. But the Bible doesn't instruct us to pray to Mary. The Bible doesn't instruct us to pray to the patron saints. You see, we pray to the Father through the Son. You see, we go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and this particular night in this passage in John 17, Jesus' focus is on four themes as Jesus prayed. And I want you to see those lessons from those themes. And this was the Lord's will, Jesus' will for, for us, for, for the people that God had given to them as we read over and over again. And I don't know about you, but it should be encouraging to you this morning the way it was to me that on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion that he took time to pray for me. He took time to pray for you. You see, this morning you might know someone or you yourself might be uh, of Jewish descent. The Jews celebrate something called Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of deliverance. You see, when you think about that great day, Jesus is praying about that day that he would take away our sins. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And as we think about the focus of Jesus' prayer in the garden, I want you to notice as he prayed that his prayer had an upward focus. He was praying to his Father. Now his entire ministry revolved around one purpose. When Jesus left heaven and came to this earth, the Bible says in John 14, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was the perfect expression of God. You see, in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is still the only way for a person to see God. When you look in the Bible in John chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He, Jesus, hath declared Him. Jesus is the only way that someone can come to God. He said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
You see, I find that Jesus revealed the Father's glory. When he was focused in his prayer, his upward focus to the Father, he was revealing the Father's glory. He came to glorify his heart's desire. The purpose of his life was to glorify God. If you're saved this morning, your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Do you know this morning that your purpose should be the exact same purpose that Jesus had when he was on this earth? That your life would not be lived for yourself, but from henceforth that you should live for God. That your life would bring glory to God. And so Jesus, as he prayed, his prayer began with an upward focus because he, were, he was talking about the Father's glory. But then he also mentions the Father's gift. Now it's interesting, Jesus mentioned, we just read it a couple times, that Jesus was referring to all those that the Father had given to him. Do you know that just like I mentioned with the Palmers here just a minute ago and that beautiful little girl that they have, that she is, the Bible says, children are an heritage of the Lord. God gave them that daughter, and I hope that she grows up to be a, a wonderful, godly young lady. But do you know that when we get saved, that we are the gift that God has given to his son, Jesus? That you're as much of a gift today to God, to his son, Jesus, as Uriah is to the Palmers? And Jesus says, Father, I want to thank you for all those that you have given to, to me. Jesus knew that salvation is not the decision of man, it's the sovereign act of God. Did you hear what I said this morning, that salvation is the sovereign act of God? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Did you hear what the Bible says? God is the one that makes us to come to life spiritually. Just like God is the one that breathed into man, into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. God is the one spiritually that makes us alive. Before dead men can live, he must be made alive. See, dead men have no thought. Dead men have no will. Dead men have no movement towards God. Listen, it wasn't us that moved towards God first. It was God so loved the world. You see, he loved us before we ever loved him. When I look at how Jesus prayed, that as Jesus prayed, he talked about the Father's gift. And when I think about how that we are saved, it is because the Holy Spirit of God is the one that quickens the dead heart. He makes us to understand our need that we are sinners and that we will be judged because of our sin and that we have a need by God's grace to get things right with God. Look at John 6, 65. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except the Father. Listen, except it were given unto him of my Father. See, we are the Father's gift to the Son and what the Father gives, I love this, the Son never refuses. Did you hear what I said? What God gives to his Son, the Son never refuses. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, nope, don't want that one. Nope, don't like the way he looks. Nope, don't like her clothes. Don't like where he's from. No. 
The gift that the Father gives to the Son, the Son never refuses. John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast them out. Aren't you glad for that scripture? That Listen, those that God gives to the Son, that the Son would never cast you out. See, Jesus' prayer was an upward prayer. His focus began with his focus on the Father. When he was in that garden, notice that he prayed about the Father's glory, and he talked about the Father's gift. He was praying for all those that the Father had given to him while he was on this earth. But then notice I see also that he prayed to his Father about the grace. I want you to think about the grace of God, this great grace. You see, what we deserve is a Christless eternity. Last week it was really quiet in this auditorium because I preached on a place called hell. And folks, this morning, whether you believe it or not, God's Word teaches that there is a literal place called hell. And that's what all of us deserve. But because of the grace of God, we have, we have the privilege to be a son of God. The Bible says that Paul wrote, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this morning, you know what I am? I'm a saved sinner. By the grace of God. That doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else or you're better than anybody else. But listen, like Jesus, we ought to praise God today for his wonderful grace. Never get tired of hearing somebody sing the song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Paul even recorded, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, folks, listen, when you, when you think about us and I think about Jesus praying that prayer in the garden he was praying about the Father's grace. See, in the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, it is not something that we can do for ourselves. In grace, God reached out to us. In grace, God redeemed us. Everything that we are and everything that we have and everything that we hope that ever be, we owe it all to the great grace of God. And so as Jesus prayed that night, in the garden. When he began that prayer, his focus was upward. He was praying to his father. But notice secondly that then his focus was turned inward. Jesus's prayer became filial. The word filial deals with a child, a son. You see, Jesus as God, he was the God-man. Jesus, first of all, prayed to the Father, but then his prayer turned inward. He began to pray for himself, for what he was going to go through. And I want you to see that he prayed for assistance. In verse number one, the Bible says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son that thy son also may glorify thee. He was praying for assistance. That hour, Jesus had said many times in the word, it's not my time yet. The hour has not come, but the hour finally arrived. The hour that, listen, many of us understand would be a hard hour for us to go through. And Jesus said in John 18, to this end was I born, and for this cause 
came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Well, what is the truth? The truth is that I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the only way to heaven. And Jesus was praying for assistance. He came to die for the sins of the world, for our sins. And listen, as he was doing that, this hour was weighing on him, the hour that Jesus would be betrayed, the hour that Jesus would be arrested, the hour that Jesus would have been tried and crucified. And what was he praying? He was praying to the Father to help him, to aid him as he went through all this ordeal for the sins that he never committed, that he might be able to accomplish the task for which he came to this earth for. You see, Jesus was praying. He was praying for his assistance from the Father. His desire was that he wanted to go to the cross. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't stop short? Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Jesus was born to die. He had to go to the cross. He had to spill his precious blood, God's blood so that we could have eternal life. And Jesus was praying inwardly. I want to glorify you, Father. I want to fulfill what you've given to me. Not my will, but thine be done. And he was praying for assistance. Notice he also prayed about his accomplishment. The Bible says in verse number 2 of chapter 17, he prays on, he says, as thou hast given me given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus was providing a way for sinners to enter into eternal life. When he hung on the cross, not too long after this, in John 19... The Bible says when he received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. The way of salvation, the plan of God. Jesus finished the work. He bowed his head. He gave up the, the ghost. The Bible says the price of eternal redemption had been paid in full. The door of salvation had been blown off the hinges. And the Bible says, whosoever will may come. You see, Jesus made it possible that anyone can be eternally saved by coming unto him. The Bible says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Look at this. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that's athirst come. And if that doesn't fit you, he says, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. You see, as Jesus prayed, his prayer was upward to the Father. Once he finished praying to the Father, his prayer turned inward as he prayed for himself. But then I want you to notice there was another focus to his prayer. He began to pray thirdly, outward. His focus was outward because he was thinking about the faithful. The faithful. Jesus was praying for those men that God had given to him, that they had given their hearts back to him. 
their lives. Remember what Jesus said to those individuals that we call apostles or disciples? Jesus said to some of them one day, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They left their nets. They left their jobs. They left the the, the lives that they lived to follow Jesus. They said, I surrender all. All to him I cling. I mean, they said, listen, we, we want to serve the Lord. And, and they spent those three and a half years in his earthly ministry, spending every day watching the miracles that he performed and watch all the many mighty things that he did. And they watched how he was accused of things and they were blaspheming him, but yet he never responded in kind. Jesus began to pray for those faithful. His prayer was outward. Look at verse number six. He says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. By the way, the words that he gave to them are the words you're holding in your hand today. See, he didn't just give his word to them. You have God's word today too. Look as he, as he prays on in verse number 8. He says, and they have received them. The word them refers back to the words. See, a good disciple, a faithful follower of Jesus, receives the word of God. Jesus said they received the words and have known surely that I came out from thee and they have believed that thou did ascend me. I pray for them. Notice his prayer. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Notice he prayed for their preservation. I mean, Jesus is praying that they would be kept by the Father. He knew this world that they were in, that it was the world that had had been cruel to him, that had mistreated him that was going to crucify him because he was God he knew all these things how many are if you're like me this morning you understand that this world that we live in does not love God have you figured that out yet very wicked sinful world Jesus was praying for them he knew that when he left that that they would be without him physically and Listen, if they were like any of us, if they were left to themselves, the disciples, they probably would struggle in the flesh to maintain their relationship with him. And so Jesus took on the responsibility here as he was praying to the Father for them, that he was placing it squarely upon the shoulders of his Father. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 5. He says about them and us who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you hear what the Bible says? We are kept by the power of God. See, we can't live our lives by the flesh. God is the one that keeps us, and Jesus was praying for these faithful. Look, if we had to maintain a life of sinless perfection, and by the way, none of us can, but if we were going to try to do that, we would, we would probably eventually all end up in hell because we cannot keep that kind of life salvation is God's gift and maintaining our salvation look 
We are saved by the grace of God and we are kept by the power of God. See, it is God's responsibility to keep us, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, look what it says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be for how long? Forever. Hey, if you're saved, guess how long you're saved for? Forever. You can't be unsaved. And if God is keeping you, guess what? God is responsible to make sure you're saved. And Jesus was praying for their preservation. Jesus calls salvation, he refers to it here a couple times in these verses, he calls salvation eternal, everlasting. The Bible says in Romans 3, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a what? Liar. See, God is truth. And we see Jesus here as he prays outwardly for the faithful, those that, had, those that had given their hearts and their lives to him, his disciples, he was praying for their preservation. But notice he also prayed for their protection. Look at verse number 12. Look at these verses. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest, I have kept, and none of them is lost. That's a great part of the verse right there. None of them is lost. He says, but, and he names one of them who we know as Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition. Verse number 13, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the what? The evil. Now, when you see the words there, he's praying for their protection. When he says, keep them from the evil, he's, he's literally talking about the evil one. You see, the Lord today, guess what? We know, we that are saved, we know where Jesus is today. Jesus isn't still in the tomb. Up from the grave he arose. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding. He's making intercession with the Father. He is praying for you today that, listen, we would not give in to the wicked one, the evil one. Jesus was praying for his disciples. He was praying that they would have strength to stand, the power of God to stand against the wiles of the devil, the attacks that would come from the devil. Let's face it this morning. The devil hates us. The devil's going to do everything he can to oppose us and to attack us. The Bible says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Aren't you glad that God is fighting for you today? That, God, that you're safe today? That you're being protected by God today? Hebrews chapter 13, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, praise the Lord when the devil comes up against the saint of God. Guess what? He has to go through the Lord first. See, the Lord is our defense. When you look at the life of Job, and I know many of you have read the beginning of the book of Job, how that Satan came into the presence of God and had this conversation. Listen, the devil can't do anything unless God lets him. He's on a short leash right now. See, before the devil can get to us, just like in Job's life, he has to go through the Father, and then he has to go through the Son. <laughs> Colossians 3, 3, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. See, he has to go through the Father and the Son to get to us. And so Jesus prayed for their preservation. He prayed for their protection. But notice also, he prayed for their purity. Look at verse number 16. 
The Bible says in John 17, verse 16, they are not of the world. By the way, Christians should not be of the world. Now, don't get me wrong. We're living in this world. We can be in the world, but not be of the world. That's Bible, folks. There ought to be something distinctly different about the child of God. And as Jesus prays for them, he prayed for their purity, and he says in verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also, notice the wording there, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified, well how? Through what? Through the truth. Now why do we study the word of God? Why are we a Bible-believing church? Because the truth gives us direction. The truth helps us to understand God's will for our lives. Jesus understood the significance of the truth. And Jesus asked the Father to set these men apart, to sanctify them. Well, how did he ask God to do that? By the word of God. He says, sanctify them through the, through the truth. His prayer was that they would live their lives against the backdrop of the scriptures. That's why we, in this, this child dedication this morning, we prayed that that young girl, that little baby girl, would grow up in a home where God's word was being taught, where God was preeminent in that home. By the way, that ought to be true for every one of us. We ought to desire, we ought to, we ought to every fiber of our being to have a Christian home, not in name only. That we ought to have a home that is built around the word of God. Listen, Jesus was praying for them and praying for us that their lives would be pleasing to the Father. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and look at the last part of the verse, and I will do what? Yeah, now look here. Do you get the verse? God says, I understand the world you live in. I understand how sinful, how wicked. And listen, I gave you life. You are one of my children. These men had been called out by Jesus himself to follow him as his disciples. And he says, look, Father, don't take them out of the world because if you take them out of the world, then there won't be any witnesses of me in the world. But he says, while they're in the world, help them. Set them apart, sanctify them, help them to understand that they can be in this world, but they need to be that, that, that preservative. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. See, God wants us to be a witness. He says, go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, every one of us have a responsibility to make sure that we are living the Christian life while we're here. And Jesus was praying for them. He was praying that they would stay faithful, that they would keep their eyes on the Lord. He was praying for their purity, and it's not based on the opinions of men. Their purity was based on a righteousness that is based on the Word of God. You see, we need to understand this this morning, that His Word is truth, and the Bible holds all the keys to holy living and righteousness. Look at Philippians 2.15 that she may be blameless and harmless. 
the sons of God without rebuke in the midst. In other words, while you're living in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine till Jesus comes. Hide it under a bushel? Nope. No, I'm going to let it shine. Doesn't matter what my co-worker's going to do. Doesn't matter what my family's going to do. As for me and my house, we're going to let it shine. See, Jesus was praying for them. He prayed to his Father. It was an upward focus. He prayed inwardly for himself, what he was about to go through, and all the ordeals. Listen, he was God. He knew what was waiting for him. But then he prayed outwardly. He prayed for his disciples. He said, Father, you've given them to me. Protect them. Preserve them. I pray they keep their purity. But then notice the last focus of his prayer, and this is, this is something that really just got me. Notice his prayer had an onward focus. You know why? Because he was praying for his followers. See, in the end of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus turns his attention, now you got to get this, to all those who would receive him down through the centuries. These are people that weren't even alive yet. In other words, us. Those before us, those after us. Jesus prays, and I thought to myself, when I thought about this onward focus, what does the Bible tell us? Onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus, going on before, on the eve of the crucifixion, in the the whole weight of the sin of the world upon him. Jesus is pressed down. His heart is so heavy. His disciples, what are they doing? Like most Baptists in church, sleeping. And yet Jesus is praying in the garden. Great drops of blood. I was reading about just all that Jesus was going through. But I'm going to tell you something, it thrilled my heart when I got to the end of this prayer. And I thought to myself, long before I was ever born, way back at the garden, Jesus prayed for me. I just, I couldn't get over that this week. Notice what he prayed for, and I want you to see this in verse 21. He prayed, first of all, for our harmony. And look what it says, verse 21. This is all right here in the scriptures. You can take it up with God. Verse 21, here's what he prays. That they all may be, what's the word? One. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be, what? One in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast given me, I have given them. That they may be, what? One. Even as we are, what? One. I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in what? One. 
and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Do you see how Jesus, listen, one of the, one of the things I believe that should mark God's followers is that there is a unity. That we are, if you look in the book of Acts in the first century, here's the, the Bible says they were in one accord. That doesn't mean they were in a Honda. They were together. They had all things common. There ought to be unity among God's followers. And his desire in the garden was, is that, listen, listen, that we would get along as brothers and sisters in Christ in front of the world. You see, when we don't get along, we are a bad witness to this world. When there's a lack of unity among the church and the people of God, it's a poor testimony. There is no room for struggles within the body of Christ. Look what it says in Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10. Paul writes, now I beseech you, I'm begging you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 To esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. You know what the devil loves? The devil loves to sit over in the corner and give the biggest belly laugh he can give when there's turmoil in the church. When two Christians can't get along. When there's strife and division in the church. You know why? Because when it's there, the work of God ceases. Comes to a screeching halt. Same thing happens in a home. When a husband and wife can't get along. When the children won't obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. You find that anytime there is strife, there's a lack of harmony. And Jesus said, look, as I leave, I'm praying for all those that are going to believe on me, that are going to become one of my children in the days ahead, that there would be a harmony among them, because otherwise they're going to be a poor testimony of the grace of God to this world that, that they're living in. And the Bible tells us that God's will for, our, for his people is that there would be harmony. A unity, when there is disunity within the church, I can tell you this with all certainty, someone is outside the will of God when there's disunity. Somebody is not right with God. Unity is so important in the church because we are a living advertisement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is strife, there is confusion. And the Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Notice what it says in the end of 1 Corinthians 14, 32, as in all churches of the saints. When Jesus was praying in the garden, his prayer was an onward focus. He was praying for those that would follow him, that would believe on him, and strife and trouble in the house of God. Can I tell you, it is never God's will whenever there is problems among the Christians. 
among brothers and sisters, and Jesus prayed for our harmony. But then notice in verse 24, Jesus prayed for our home going. Say, whoa, wait a minute. Not going anywhere. Can I tell you this morning, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid somewhere beyond the blue. You know, people ask me for my address, I give it to them. Sometimes I just want to say heaven, H-E-A-V-E-N. Because that's what I received when I received Christ as my Savior on January 22, 1984. That's my eternal address. I won't have to take my tool belt when I go to heaven. Praise God. No more floors to do. No more walls to build. No more things to patch. Won't be one bucket of joint compound in heaven. You know what God uses for asphalt in heaven? Gold. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place, folks. And when Jesus was praying in the garden the day before his crucifixion, listen, he prayed for our homecoming. I want you to look at verse 24. Look at his words. Father, notice these next two words. I will. Let's say that out loud. I will. Say it like you mean it. I I will. Jesus says, Father, I will. Now look at the verse. What does he will? That they also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Where is Jesus today? He's in heaven. Notice, he says, I will that where I am, there they would be, they would be with me. He says that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for who, notice, thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now, we all understand that the Bible says he took upon himself the form of a servant, We talk about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that when Jesus was in this world, remember that the Bible talks about the Shekinah glory of God. The the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. That's why when Jesus was on this earth, that he took upon himself the form of a servant. He robed himself in flesh. It's interesting, when you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10 and verse number 20, here's what the Bible says, that Jesus had made a way through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. We all know that when Jesus died on the cross and he uttered those words, it is finished, that the veil in the temple was rented too. But listen, it wasn't talking about a curtain hanging in the temple. It was talking about his body was broken for the sins of the world. See, we now have access through his body, through his blood. That's why we have the Lord's table, is to commemorate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus here is talking about how he's closing in prayer. And before he closes in prayer, we need to understand that his heart was filled with love for us. He's he's talking about that, that he says, this is my will. The word where he says there, I will, it's the word thelo. And here's what it means. It means to purpose. In other words, this is something that I purpose. He says here, this is a word that's used for the will of God. It is something that is unalterable it is firmly fixed it is the will of God and it will come to pass Jesus is declaring that his purpose is that everyone who receives him will be with him someday in heaven that they will they will see his glory that they will see it revealed like Isaiah said I saw him high and lifted up upon his throne holy 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 the Lord God of hosts hey what a wonderful day that's going to be when Jesus I shall see. 
you're saved this morning, can I tell you, listen, I know you might get in your car today and head towards some physical address, but if you're saved today, guess what? You're going home someday. And Jesus prayed for our home going. But there was one last thing that he prayed for. And he was praying for us. <clears throat> Jesus prayed not only for our harmony, he prayed for our home going, but he prayed for our hearts. Look at the last two verses of his prayer in chapter 17. He says, O righteous Father. Notice how he refers to God. Righteous Father. The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name. Now watch it. He says, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. See, as Jesus brings this prayer to a close, he takes maybe a minute to pray that we would be filled with the same love that he loved us. An agape love. An unconditional love. A love that transcends any man or human love. He desires that his people would be characterized by this matter of our love one for another. Look at John 13. He says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. How? If ye have love one for another. This is a love that the world can't duplicate. They can't replicate this. Only God can produce within us like he did in the Apostle Paul where Paul writes, uh, my beloved, and he writes, my, my joy and my crown. Listen, that's a love that God put in the heart of a man that used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor, somebody that was injurious towards the people of God and the things of God. Only God can do that in people of diverse backgrounds and different social and financial standings and various race and creeds. Listen, it's a, it's a thing of beauty how God works in our hearts. And the Bible says in John 11, look at these verses, when they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. Did you hear what Jesus says? Look at it again. I knew that thou hearest me how often? Always. And remember, we just talked about 26 verses in John 17, which we refer to as Jesus' prayer in the garden. And guess how much of that prayer God heard? All of it. Every last word. You ever prayed a prayer and you felt like God never heard it? Like it fell on deaf ears? Because you know, sometimes God doesn't answer in our timing the way that we would want. But can I say this morning that God hears everything that Jesus prays? Now think about this. The question that remains this morning is this. Is our Jesus' prayers being fulfilled in your life today? Are Jesus' prayers being fulfilled in this church today? Say, what prayers? Do you know that it is Jesus' will? It's God's will? It's his prayer that all would be saved? Are you saved today? Because, listen... 
God is not willing that any would perish. If you're not saved today, listen, it's God's will that you would be saved. How about this? Is there unity in this church today among the brothers? Because it's his prayer that there would be unity among the brethren. Are you loving others the way that you should? Because it's his prayer that we should love others the way that he loved us. The songwriter said, I come to the garden alone where the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. He speaks. The sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush. They're singing. And the melody that he gives to me within my heart is ringing. He walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I am his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You see, Jesus prayed, and that prayer, it was to his Father. He prayed for himself, what he was going to go through for us. He prayed for the faithful, that God would protect them, God would preserve them, they'd keep their purity in the world that they live in. Then he prayed for followers, that we would have harmony, that our hearts would be right with God. He prayed for you, and he prayed for me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I hope that maybe God, by his Holy Spirit, took you to that garden that he took me to this week where Jesus prayed that prayer agonizing in the garden as he prayed in the role of our great high priest. He wasn't in the temple, but he stepped into the presence of Almighty God. As he stepped into the presence of Almighty God, he stepped into the Holy of Holies. He prayed about our day of deliverance. He was going to offer himself once for our sins. His life for mine. The innocent for the guilty. Why? So that we could be at one with God. If you're not saved this morning, why don't you put your faith in Christ? Trust Jesus. He gave his life so that you could go to heaven someday. Folks, it's that simple. It's not complicated. It's as simple as acknowledging that you're a sinner. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing the fact that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, why don't you come today? Why don't you come and put your faith in the Son of God, Jesus? And if you are saved this morning, 
Maybe God has spoken to you about something. How he prayed for you. And how you need to pray for others. Maybe your love isn't what it ought to be for other people. Maybe you want to come today. Say, God, give me a greater love, your kind of love. Would you stand with me this morning as the people...